Welcome to another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Strugel. I'm an assistant professor in communication at Hiram College. With me again is Andrew White. He's the professor of psychology and the coordinator of the sport management program at Hiram College. He specializes in psychology of sport-related injury and mental skills training for sport performance. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing all right. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get into a little bit of current events with Hiram College. Uh, we've got a new men's basketball coach. Taylor Roth has joined the program, and he's taking over the reins. And, you know, interesting at this time of the year, and in terms of a timeline for bringing on a new coach, what are some things in terms of players getting the program in place? What does a new guy or new gal in a program, what do they do? What's what's on their agenda, week one, first month, whatever? How do you prioritize? Yeah, um, well, there's a lot to do, especially right now. Uh, I mean, he's coming in in May, and basketball season starts in five months. He has not been recruiting for this college for quite a while. So he's coming from another position where he may have been recruiting uh, student athletes to come there uh, so he may be able to pull some of them if they were really coming to that college for him which uh, not as likely if you weren't the head coach at that time so from a recruiting standpoint you are really far behind uh, you are going to inherit some recruits from the previous uh, coaching staff but you're going to have to convince them to still come even though there's a new coach and you're going to have to work on building relationships with the existing players. And you're really starting entirely over. Although there's going to be a lot of continuation in terms of the players on the team, you are hoping to instill an entirely new culture, make it your own. So it's very clear that the ways of old, that's fine. That's, that was a previous coach. You may have learned a few things, but that may not fit within we're going to do things my way and you you want to have some autonomy let it be a little more democratic so the the players get a say but at the end of the day it's the coach's system that you're trying to operate with so it's going to be really hard to implement all of that this late in the game especially because he's coming in students are already going on summer break and he can't really have face-to-face meetings because of the COVID-19 pandemic so all of these things, it makes it a really, really challenging time for Coach Rob to come in. You know, all those are great points. I've always wondered, too, when a new coach gets into a program that already has players that are recru- recruited by another coach who may have played a different style, how do you, as a coach, you're, how do you change players who may be used to playing a certain way or a certain tempo? How hard is that for a coach to get a new system in place? Um, it's going to depend on the interactions between the player and the coach, but you can usually find a way to massage a conversation and the the thought processes behind it. Um, you're still playing basketball, so the goals are still the same and it helps, honestly, as unfortunate as it is, it helps if the last year or years weren't as successful because you can say, look, you've got these great skills. I see you doing this on the stats. It shows this. But it's not translating to wins. So if we use these skills, but we do it this way, which fits in my system, I think we can be more successful. So it doesn't have to be 
my way or the highway or you weren't winning so I don't care what you're saying you can still build on the skills to a different system definitely this is Inside the Athlete's Mind my name is David Strugel my guest is Andrew White and moving on to another topic I just saw and involves a local professional athlete James Harrison out of Akron who also starred at Kent State had a great career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a Super Bowl pick six, all that stuff. Well, now a story has come out, and I guess this was brought out on a recent podcast, in which in a game against the Cleveland Browns, uh, James Harrison absolutely throttled Browns receiver Muhammad Massaqua in 2010 and was fined $75,000. And supposedly after the game, uh, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin handed him an envelope that had the money inside it. And the quote from James Harrison, dude, I'm telling you, 75000 and I ain't going to lie to you. I ain't going to lie to you when that happened, right? And that's the gist, most, <laughs> the gist standing for most gangster thing Mike Tomlin ever did. He handed me an envelope after that. I ain't going to say what, but he handed me an envelope after that. And that's a quote, according to James Harrison on this uh, podcast. And I guess trying to set the record straight, supposedly the envelope was meant for the fine that he got from the NFL, not in terms of a bounty. And off-the-wall question, what kind of message is Coach Tomlin supposedly sending to the team by handing out envelopes or handing out an envelope of money after a big hit? Uh, Yeah. Um, mixed messages. Uh, on one side, it's I'm here for you. Uh, you were maybe he's believing what Harrison's saying that it wasn't really intended to be vicious or causing harm. And so, since it's part of the game to some respect, he's going to take that fine for him. Um, and I think I've seen things like this from other coaches in the past. But I, it doesn't really send the right message to other, like younger players, is what I think. Um, by the time you're in the NFL or any of the professional organizations, you've developed. You've developed physically, morally, emotionally, all of that. Um, what you believe and how you act is, is kind of you now. You own it. But I think that sends a message to the high schoolers, middle schoolers, and younger who now will see that type of action from a player as being endorsed by the coach. So then they may think, oh, this is okay. This is how the sport is. And that's the concern for me because then it makes it more dangerous for young kids, which is going to make them more likely to get hurt, continue play, and be physically active. Good point. And another quote from Harrison, he said, listen, on everything I love, on my daddy's grave, I hit that man with about 50% of what I had, and I just hit him because I wanted him to lose, let loose of that football. If I had knew, if I had knew they was going to find me $75,000, I would have tried to kill him. And I've, I remember watching that game live and thought, oh my goodness, Muhammad Massaqua might, might be out cold for a week. He it took him a long time to be taken off the field and what have you. And bringing up a point about rage and playing with that kind of violence. And you, you bring up a great point about the nature of the sport. 
in the physical violence is part of the game, but psychologically, is it healthy to play with rage and the intention to, the intention to hurt opponents? Is that is that something that? Uh, yeah, I think that one quote from Harrison kind of is where he crossed the line because saying that he hit him with about fifty percent. I wanted him to let loose the ball. Okay, that's cool. Like that is part of the game at that point. That's being assertive. That's not really being aggressive and trying to hurt someone. We often use the word aggressive uh, when talking about sport, but we don't really mean trying to hurt people just for the sake of hurting people. But then I knew I was going to get fined and I would have tried to kill him. Well, now all of a sudden you're not playing the sport anymore. And to me, that's where that line has been crossed. And it becomes a distraction, I think. And at that point, your goal has become to inflict harm on people, and that is not really going to do anything for you in terms of performance. And that's the the line that one of the lines. Obviously, there's a moral line here, uh, but in terms of what you should focus on in order to actually perform well, and if you're worried about being angry or if you're thinking about being angry and trying to hurt people, that's not relevant to the task at hand. Maybe in some sports, uh, MMA or boxing, that's somewhat relevant, but it's not just about inflicting harm. So it, it, it becomes a distraction and can get in the way with you actually performing well. That's why I, I tend to try to work people into figuring out what's going to work for them to perform well. Some people do off but that doesn't work for everyone and and i would say it doesn't work for most that's a good point when you are so full of rage that it takes away from the task at hand that's there's a conflict there and i i've read stories before about chris spielman from a hometown about how even in high school he would sit alone at his locker and work himself into a rage to go play football and great football player he did a lot on the field, played both sides of the ball and all that. And I'm just wondering, like, is it possible once you work yourself up into a rage that is that necessary for competition? And once you leave the field, is there an off switch that you can just automatically say, OK, we're cool. I'm going to go fish now or do whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, some people are great at putting up those borders now you you walk across the chalk or the line or whatever and you've entered a different world and the way we structure sports makes it a little bit easier for that there's specific times when the game is in action there's physical boundaries there's other people responsible for kind of managing your actions we've got referees umpires coaches etc so we do create some borders that make it a little bit easier to turn it on and turn it off but uh, there's there can be some bleed in the in between, kind of the gray zone. Uh, so it's nice to have some well-established routines to help you transition out of playing at a really amped up level. You might be using some of that chip on your shoulder mentality, and then you try to take that edge off after the game for a little while, uh, have that emotional cool down. Is is there are there advantages to playing pissed off in a sense? I know that in the past in probably still happens quite a bit that some athletes get criticized when they're called soft and they, they take that to heart. Is there, so is it okay (laughs) to be a little angry? 
versus being a good-natured uh, athlete? <laughs> some people do really well when they are really angry, and that's fine. If that works for them, they can channel it the right way, and they can turn it off afterwards. Uh, that that can work okay. Uh, I mean, Draymond Green, mm. great example of somebody who is really amped up when he's playing. He's at a pretty high level there. Uh, most of the time it works out all right. Sometimes it causes problems for the game, and he becomes a distraction for himself and for his teammates. If he were playing a little less angry, it, it almost seems like you can see games where he's less angry, and he just seems checked out, and he seems... Uh, but sometimes it looks like he's playing dirty. Uh, he's getting thrown out of games. He's getting technicals that give other teams the point. So it's kind of kind of hard <laughs> to really say if it's always a good thing. Uh, other people, they're a little more calm, uh, calm, collected. Uh, I don't know. I think of like Peyton Manning seems to be a good example. I don't know too much uh, about him on the field, but he always seems pretty collected. Uh, it's just going to depend on the person, really, though. That's a great point about Draymond Green because another player came to my mind, and I was thinking of Ron Artest, our oh, yeah. Metal World Peace, <laughs> um, a guy who goes in and sometimes you don't know what you're going to get with him, and I feel badly for the person who had to guard him or was his assignment because you never know. Sometimes that switch could get flipped, and all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, Ron, <laughs> you know? absolutely and it it comes down to being able to control it and what sort of uh, routine or what sort of steps or procedures do you have in your head to help you make sure you are staying kind of within the the green zone for your Mm -hmm. emotionality and let's not get into the red where we're going to be a problem Let's, let's make sure we're productive with these emotions that we're having. Yeah, and I think Ron got actually a lot better near the end of his career. When he played for the Pacers and that, yeah, there were a lot of volatile moments, of course, but near the tail end when he finished out his run with the Lakers, it seemed like he became like a wise veteran that younger players listen to on occasion. So, uh, yeah, if you can dial it down or figure out how to channel it or – whatever good you know yeah yeah and and i don't want to say that it always has to be dialed down there are people who just have that chip on their shoulder Mm -hmm. and it works for them and they stay within the framework of the coach and of the team and they are incredibly productive they don't distract from the team from themselves and they just get the job done that's great. It just takes a little management and self-awareness to figure it out. Yeah. You know, and think of an athlete might that might apply to would be Lawrence Taylor, who Hall of Fame career for the Giants, you know, vicious defender on the field. And, you know, wasn't out there playing dirty. And he played, stayed very well within the rules. Yeah, and there's a bit of what sport is it, what's your role within that team that goes into it. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to see fewer... Um, stunt athletes, for example, who are really needing to have that chip on their shoulder to play well. Um, But the more contact you have, and especially once you reach the higher impact, like football, then you're going to need a little more um, 
assertiveness, a little more of that uh, emotional activation, especially if you are a lineman or a linebacker. Yep. Andrew, anything else before we close out this edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind? No, I don't think so. Awesome. Well, hey, we'll talk again in two weeks, and until then, yeah, we'll, we'll see what else is happening and see what other old athlete stories we can bring up. Just wild how things – I don't know how these stories come up. Ten years old, the, the James Harrison thing came up. That was kind of out there. but it, And, of course, with the Michael Jordan series being brought up, that we're now talking about things that happened 20-some years ago. So interesting how athletes are holding on to these stories and it make for great discussion even now, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk again in two weeks, Andrew. Sounds great. All right. This has been Ans- in- All right. This has been inside the athlete's mind. My name is David Struckel. See you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.